Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories, learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. His growing feelings of cynicism and frustration with love led Nate Bagley on a search for answers to the questions of what true love really is and how to attain it. The search resulted in conversations with people who are experiencing these things on a daily basis, and it became the start of what is known today as the love Mentory. Listen in as Nate talks to me about everything he's learned about true love. Nate, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You know, I, I came across uh, your work by by way of a friend of mine, and um, you know, it was interesting to to look at what you guys are up to and think, you know, wow, okay, I think this is something that everybody needs to hear about. So, uh, tell us, you know, a, a bit about your story, your background, and kind of how that has led to what you have called the Loveumentary. Well, uh, I'm trying to think how far back I should go. Um, this has been a project in the making for several years, at least in my brain. Um, I think everybody has those ideas every so often or those things that they're insatiably curious about, Mm -hmm. but most people don't act on them. Um, so I, for quite a while, I've had this idea of like, what really makes an amazing relationship? What, what, what is it that goes into the relationships that people look at and go, oh man, I wish I had that. And I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by a lot of happy couples growing up. But, um, as I've been dating, I'm, I turn 30 next week. Um, and as I've been dating over the last decade or so, uh, I mean, my ultimate goal was to end up in a serious long-term relationship that for me, I would get married, but that isn't everybody's goal. Um, but I noticed that all of my relationships were not really panning out the way I'd hoped, you know, they'd end up in quick breakups or, you know, like the longest relationship I'd been in was about six months. And I was just like, what am I doing wrong? You know? And, um, and then I realized one day that maybe the, the, I should change my focus from what I was doing wrong to what other people were doing right and see if I could, uh, kind of mimic that. Maybe I was missing something. Have you ever have you ever heard of uh, do you know Sean Aker and mm-hmm, the happiness advantage? Yes, we've had him here as a guest. <laughs> oh, he's so phenomenal. So he he talks about how if we study what is average, we will merely become average. Uh-huh. But it, he he likes to study the bright spots, the outliers, the people who are amazingly happy to find out if he can raise the happiness level of people as a whole. And I kind of wanted to take that same approach, but with couples. Mm-hmm. So I started interviewing couples and talking to them about a microphone, and um, I found that other people were having the exact same questions I was having. So I just started asking couples those questions. You know, what is it that, that made their relationship work? Why were those, they so happy together? And then I put a few of them online, and they were well-received, and people were like, wow, you need to do more of this. And it's kind of just blown up since then. Um, 
So that's kind of where we are now. That's the, that's the short version of the story. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, we're going to make you tell the long version of this story. But um, before we do that, I mean, there, there's already a, plenty here that we can work with. So, you know... Uh, I love that all of this started, you know, and I, I do want to actually spend quite a bit of time talking about your discoveries and your research, because I think that's the part that is actually quite fascinating. And I'm personally curious about because I can relate to a lot of what you've gone through. But th there, you know, there is something earlier that you said right at the very beginning, you said that there was, you know, you, you were insatiably, cur insatiably curious about something, you decided to act on it. And I think that, you know, we all have that. But there's a distinction between people who act on that insatiable curiosity and the ones who don't. And yeah. I'm really curious, you know, what do you think separates those people? And, and then, you know, I mean, it's, sometimes also I can't imagine there aren't hurdles once you act. And that's, you know, that's one of those things. But let's get into kind of, you know, how you get yourself to act on insatiable curiosity. Yeah, there's, uh, that's, that's the trick, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, everybody's got a good idea, but the idea is worth nothing unless you execute it. There's a, good ideas are a dime a dozen. Um, but there, I feel like it, there's a certain level of insanity and there's a certain level of kind of, <laughs> uh, of brash courage uh -huh. that goes into being willing to walk away from a desk job, walk away from security, walk away from predictability, walk away from comfort and say, I'm going to throw myself into the unknown and take a risk. And, um, for me, I literally had to sit down with a friend one day and I realized that the worst possible thing that could happen to me, the worst thing is that I would blow through all of my savings and I would have to move into my parents' basement and be that guy, the 30-year-old guy who's <laughs> living in his parents' basement. And you know what? The worst possible thing happened, but I'm freaking happy. Like I did blow through all my savings, but I got to fulfill a dream and it's turning into the possibility of being a real income for me, a real lifestyle. And not only that, but I feel that I'm impacting hundreds, if not thousands of lives, which is completely mind boggling. It was the results from me taking that risk initially to compared what I thought they would be compared to what they are right now is just like, I, I can't even believe it. And I, one thing I realized is, is that um, there's a lot of competition for average out there. You know, most people are competing for middle management positions. They're competing for, you know, the salary positions. But there's not a whole lot of people competing for, for the big pie-in-the-sky dreams. Mm -hmm. And so once you actually take that step and dive into the unknown and really kind of have a, a, a goal and work hard at it, um, the competition – for fulfilling that goal is not as rough as it is in the regular workplace. At least that's what I've come to find out. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, I think that's such a, a refreshing perspective the, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of competition to be average. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody sees it that way. They see, you know, risk as such a daunting thing, but you know, we had Stephen Kotler here recently, uh, he was talking to me about flow states and he, he talked a lot about how, you know, risk, you know, takes you into a state of flow. And, and not only that, I think that there's, you know, risk is where people come to life. Like I think oh, that if you're absolutely. sleepwalking, there's nothing that wakes you up more than taking a really, really big risk. Well, I think the biggest risk people can take is to love, mm -hmm. to bring it full circle. You know, um, love is a huge risk, at least loving big, loving the too many people are safe 
in their love. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best pieces of love advice that that I got uh, over the last year was from this wonderful lady in Georgia. And uh, she and her husband had been married for over 60 years. They had been around the world. They had done amazing things. And I said, what, after all of your experiences, what's the best piece of advice that you could give, give us or give single people or people who want the love that you have? And she said, don't be afraid to be the one who loves the most. And I think there's this stigma that if you if you're the one who cares less, you have more power in the relationship, and um, we crave that power. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to open ourselves up. But man, when you can really open up your heart and take that risk and let yourself be loved and to love fully, that's that's what life is. That's like the most fulfilling thing you can experience in life is to be truly loved by somebody and to fully love somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do this. I think that's per- a perfect setup. I, I actually want to talk about uh, what leads you to the conclusion that, okay, I have to figure this out. Like, you know, you, you kind of touched on, on, you know, relationships that didn't last. I want to get into detail now, uh, which you've heard my show, <laughs> so you know that I'm going to drill you on all of Yeah, this drill because, me. Go, go right ahead. I, you know, I mean, I can relate. You know, I had gotten to, to a point where I thought, you know, I'm like, I'm going to settle. It's inevitable. Like it's, it's, it's going to happen and I'm just going to numb myself somehow from the fact that I have settled and this isn't what I wanted. Um, and you know, I've, I, that's a line that I have not crossed and that, that, that was my greatest fear is that I would actually cross that line. Mm. But what I am really interested in is sort of the evolution of your life as somebody who is single and dating that leads to this sucks. Why can't I figure it out? And what tra- what causes you to transition into okay? I'm going to go figure it out, and by asking people who've got it down, um, and, and what leads you to that point? Talk to talk us talk to us about that part of the journey. Um, so I come from a very conservative part of the country. Um, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, where. In, at least in my area, in, in uh, the suburbs of Salt Lake, uh, the neighborhoods are anywhere between like 70 and 85 or 90 percent Mormon. And there's a huge focus in that community on family. And most people get married fairly young. Mm-hmm. And um, I was 27. So two, about two years ago, my youngest brother got married at 23. And um, I have another younger brother who's 27 who just got engaged. And, um, all of the majority of the, the people that I graduated high school with were married and had kids. And once you hit about 25, 26, 27 years old in this community, mm-hmm. it the, culturally, you're kind of looked at as, uh, as a, a weirdo, like there's something wrong with you. Why aren't you married yet? That shouldn't you like this family is a, like the number one priority. And if you're not starting one, you're, you're putting something off or there's something weird about you. And, um, that like, there was a lot of pressure there. And so I was really actively dating because I really, that was something that was important to me at the time was starting a family. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I just kept failing and failing and things wouldn't work out and things wouldn't work out and, um, relationships would fall apart. And I'd, I'd be really excited about a girl and we'd go out for like two or three months and then it would fizzle out or we would have a disagreement and I would be like, this is just not working. And, um, I kind of just reached this point where I realized that there was a, a, a growing group of people who were just like me, who had the same questions, who had the same frustrations, but nobody was really giving answers. Um, 
I don't know if you've had this experience, but you know, people who are in relationships say, yeah, it takes a lot of work or yeah, so you just have to sacrifice when it comes to love. There's a lot of sacrifice involved, but nobody ever sat me down and told me what the love and what the sacrifice was. Mm -hmm. Nobody broke that down into detail. Nobody told me, you know, what that was all about. And, um, because all these other people that were my age kind of were feeling that same sort of, um, they were feeling ostracized like I was and kind of feeling broken. I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these vague answers. I'm going to go find my own answers and I'm going to go make people talk to me. And, um, I, I feel like if I can find answers for myself, then maybe it'll benefit somebody else in my position. Mm -hmm. And, um, I realized at one point that I wasn't getting any younger, that if I did wait much longer, that, you know, I had some savings built up from being a a professional for quite a while. And I had no real obligations to like to a wife or kids or a a mortgage. And I was like, it's now or never. I I can either take this risk and go find these answers now and do something for the world and do something for myself, or I can put it off like everybody else does and let this idea fizzle and for the rest of my life wonder whether or not I could find those answers. And, um, I just decided to pull the trigger Mm -hmm. and like, it's been the most eye opening experience of my life sitting down and talking to these couples now. So cool. All right. So a lot of things here. Uh, I am really, really happy that you brought up the, the sort of cultural stigma of, of being in the community that you're in, um, and, and, you know, being judged and, and, you know, feeling a lot of pressure because, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as you probably know from some of the, the conversations you may have heard on, on the air here, I'm Indian. Uh, and I'm over 30, I'm 35. Yeah. So you get it. Oh, you, I I get it more than you could possibly imagine. (laughs) Uh, and and I think that, you know, it's interesting. I think that we make a lot of bad decisions because of cultural stigmas. Uh, we make decisions, you know, I always say that this is the part that always, and it's such a hard line because you're torn between two really important things. You know, people that you love and care about, you know, they, you know, I think their intentions are good. Oh, absolutely. And yet what you, you're torn with is the fact that they're not the ones who are going to live with the consequences of the choices <laughs> that you make. Right. And I guess really, you know, that, that takes me to the question of, of, you know, how you overcome the cultural stigma and say, you know what, it is, I'm not going to make my decisions based on what other people think. Because here's the thing, Nate, I think you and I both know in any one of these relationships that didn't work out, you could have forced it. To get oh, to the absolutely. point where it fit and you fit square pegs into round holes and everybody around you got the outcome they wanted, but you didn't. And I want to know why you didn't and how you basically overcome that stigma. Because I think that what you're feeling in that moment, that is a universal feeling for anybody who comes in cultures or who, are, who grows up or is in a part of a culture where there is that kind of pressure. You know, maybe, maybe it's a... Maybe I feel a little too self-important. <laughs> maybe I think maybe I have this like this uh, this fictionalized concept that I'm meant to do something big, or that I'm I'm some sort of black sheep and I don't fit in. I know there's a lot of people who feel that way when they're surrounded by the, the culture that they came from, that they don't fit in. They're they're the square pegs in the round holes, um, and that's just kind of how I felt for a really long time. I remember. Coming out of college, I was really, really ambitious, and I was working. I, I was working at a software company, and my boss one day told me that my goals were too unrealistic, and that I would never achieve them, and that I needed to change them. And he's like, "You're going to fail. 
you're, you're going to fail. And it infuriated me. And I'm like, I, now I will succeed because you told me I was going to fail. And then not a year and a half later, I was working at another job and I had to leave for a new opportunity. And my boss, that boss looked at me and told me, whatever it is that you do next, I hope it fails. I hope it fails. And I've just been, I feel like I've, I feel like growing up and going through uh, living in this society that I didn't always feel a part of and then going through my professional life and having people tell me that I wasn't capable of doing what I wanted to do added fuel to the fire and kind of validated the fact that like, yeah, I'm different. I'm not going to settle for average. I'm not going to settle for normal. I want big things for myself. I want good things for myself. I want to be in a really passionate, loving, caring, trust-filled relationship. I want to make a dent in the world. I want to influence people's lives. And I think that's just part of my character. And then I've tried to kind of imbue that in the people that I come in contact with, whether it's through my podcast or through my blog or through my just friendships or email exchanges. Like I want people to know that they don't have to settle for average because I refuse to settle for average. And I think you refuse to settle for average from what it sounds like. And I think that's a beautiful quality. There's too many people who are willing to settle for average and too many people who are totally oblivious to the fact that they are settling for average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that that is so true. Um and I think that's an epidemic almost. Oh yeah. Of, of the culture that we live in because <clears throat> I mean, you know, when you settle for average, it's safe. It's e- settling for average is easy. That's the mm. easiest way, you know, out of any situation. It absolutely is because it's comfortable. Mhm. But as we talked about earlier, you know, taking that plunge, making that leap, that that discomfort, that's where growth and life is, that risk. Life is risk. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me ask you this. I mean, are there? You know, you talked about the relationships that fizzled out and, and didn't work out. Um, you know, were there were there things? I mean, what, what did you? Know, what did those relationships reveal to you? Um, wow, a lot of things. Uh, I think that they re- they revealed to me that people, including myself, are scared to, I was always scared to say no. I was scared to maintain a piece of my identity to, to maintain my, my personal identity, who I was. I, a lot of times I would sacrifice who I was to try and make the person I was with happy. Um, there, there was a, a sense of, um, I, I'm very, conflict averse. <laughs> so whenever conflict would arise, I, I, I found that I would panic and typically run instead of confronting it head on. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I was ill prepared for a relationship because I never really had anybody sit me down and tell me what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people fit into that category. Um, I feel like the majority of people base their behaviors off of the examples and role models that they have available in their lives. Mm -hmm. And there just aren't a lot of really prevalent vocal um, role models and examples of what a really healthy, beautiful, loving relationship looks like. So we're all basing our actions off of Hollywood Mm -hmm. and off of a lot of, you know, dysfunctional relationships that are, that we see in our lives, whether people are passive aggressive or manic or codependent. Um, you know, if that's our example, that's how we live. That's what we consider to be normal. And that's what I consider to be normal. I, and 
it wasn't until I went out and started talking to these couples that I realized how backwards I had so many important things. I, I, I had completely, so I had a glimpse of what was possible, but I had no idea really until I saw it and how far off base and how ill-prepared I had been before for what I now strive for, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes all the sense in the world. I think it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring up our uh, lack of healthy role models uh, for, for like, you know, healthy relationships, because I, I think that, 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 that's something I think I see in every area of life. I don't Mm -hmm. think it just applies to relationships. I think that, uh, it's, you know, I think role models and and models of possibility are are something that we need a lot of. I mean, I think that that's, to me, that's what's fueled so much of, of, you know, uh, ordinary people going out and trying to do extraordinary things, kind of like what you're doing. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the world needs better examples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's definitely true. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, let's uh, let's get into kind of you know how this evolved into what you call you know the love documentary. Uh, I mean, talk to me about that process. I mean, and then you know I, I do want to start getting into some of the specifics around uh, relationships. Sure. Um, what part of the process do you want to know about exactly? Well, talk to me about how, I mean, you said you just, you know, you start out and you, you start going and asking uh, couples questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously my guess is your first thought around this wasn't, you know, I'm going to just continue doing this to find answers. It just, it, again, you, you know, you start with insatiable curiosity. And to me, this is exactly, you know, it, it's very similar to the experience that I've had with, with building the show. And it, um, it, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, the, the, the parallel to me is, is it's, you know, you keep adjusting to what the wave is doing because I think that, you know, when you, when you first, you know, go do the first interview, my guess is you weren't thinking of this huge project that it's turned into. So I'm curious one about the creative process behind, uh, you know, what you've built and, and how it's led to what it has. And then I want to start talking about the insights that have been revealed because I think that's the part that is really fascinating uh, to me. And I'm sure a lot of people are very curious about, you know, what have you learned about healthy relationships? Yeah. Well, I think um, as far as creatively, I, I've fallen in love with the stories. Uh, that's what's really driven me is that every single couple, one of the really interesting things that I've learned along the way is that there are as many definitions of what love is as there are couples who are experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no recipe. There's no one solid recipe for true love. It, it, you, you get to decide what that is, what that means to you. Mm-hmm. And so getting to sit down with dozens, hundreds of couples and hear them tell their story of how, of what they've decided to create and call love as their own. Um, it's been one of the most incredible things. And I started out, Have you ever heard the Ira Glass clip about um, when you start creating art, you Uh have this taste and your taste is impeccable, but your ability to create something that matches that taste is like super far off (laughs) and you have to just keep like you listen to your first pieces of work and you're like, oh man, that sucks so bad. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I mean, I was completely novice. I had never really conducted an interview before. I'd never, I mean, I have no training in like psychology. I'm, I'm no expert in anything. I'm calling my, I call myself an anti-expert because <laughs> I literally have no clue what I'm doing. I'm just really curious. And I talk to smart people who do know what they're doing and kind of translate their message through me. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I, I started falling in love with these stories and, uh, I found that the more I, the more stories I recorded and the more I edited and the more I got used to asking, um, the better questions, mm-hmm. 
the better the project got and the more people enjoyed it. And it started to grow and it started to grow. And I had, I had recorded about 25 episodes and they were all fairly local on in the West Coast, either between Utah, Idaho, and California. And then um, a, a mutual friend introduced me to uh, Melissa Joy Kong, mm-hmm. who had a similar goal. She has she wrote a bucket list a few years ago, and one of the items on her bucket list was to travel around the country and write a book after she had interviewed like a hundred couples. And I was like, holy crap, like I've already started interviewing couples. You want to interview couples. You want to write a book. I want to do a podcast. I'd love a female voice on the podcast. If you want to team up, like let's do a road trip. Mm-hmm. And so I had built up an audience. We launched a Kickstarter. We raised $30,000. We spent 90 days on the road. We actually met for the first time on the first in person on the first day of our road trip. So it was like, it was kind of like a 90 day arranged marriage between the two of us. (laughs) It was like, we didn't know really what to expect. We spent 90 days on the road together and interviewed, I don't know, probably like 50 to 60 couples on the way and drove 15,000 miles and, um, met some of the most incredible people in the world. And, and from that, like it's really started to evolve and develop into this really cool project with just, some of the most beautiful stories I've had the pleasure of hearing. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So, mm-hmm. well, talk to me uh, about the Kickstarter piece. I mean, yeah, it, it's funny because, it, like, from the way you tell it, it might sound like, oh, you know, Nate had a crazy idea and insatiable curiosity, and you know, somehow that magically turned into thirty thousand dollars on Kickstarter. And I right. think you and I both know that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm very curious, you know, for personal reasons, how you know that piece of it worked, and then I want to start talking about the uh, the stories around the couples. Um, it was a lot of careful planning. Uh, both Melissa and I have very generous friends and family and uh, a fairly large network of people. And love is one of those things that people just get behind. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Melissa did a whole lot of work generating um, some PR for us. And, and she did a whole lot of planning. We did a lot of planning together. And uh, we launched. And then we just, honestly, we launched and we hit the road. We didn't even wait for the Kickstarter we, we reached our goal on the last day of our Kickstarter. <laughs> so it was a 30 day, it was a 30 day Kickstarter. And, um, we spent 30 days on the road before we even had the money to do the project. And we just wow. kind of took, took the leap of faith. Once again, we're like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So let's just hit the road and, uh, just, we'll have confidence that people will pull through and, and get us the money that we need. And it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just, I think when people hear the stories and heard what we were trying to do, they were sympathetic and there was also a lot of hard work that went into it. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's get into the part that everybody probably wants to know about. Is, all right, let's uh, do this. What, what is it? You know, I mean, you, you've basically talked to all these couples, so start telling us the stories of the couples you've talked to I and mean, what you've learned about love and, and kind of, I mean, it, like, is your perspective different after all of this? I mean, how is it changing the way you see the world? Uh, I mean, all of that. I'm so curious. Um, yes, my perspective is incredibly different. My, my life, my perspective of what love is and what it can be has completely turned upside down. Um, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you've ever sat down with a couple and you've literally been able to feel the chemistry between them. Like you can, it's like, it's palpable. The energy, the love that they have for each other is palpable. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'll tell you when you get to sit down, I sat down with several couples and, and just had an intimate conversation with them about their, their relationship. And it just, sometimes you can just feel it mm-hmm. and it is the most bizarre feeling, but it's the closest thing that I can explain to you that it would probably be a taste of what love can, can be like. Um, I remember specifically sitting down with, um, Ty and Terry, they're a couple in Omaha and they 
oh my gosh, they're such amazing people. But we, we weren't even supposed to interview them originally. We had stayed the night in Kansas City the night before with some friends, and, and they had recommended one of the guys there was like, hey, you should stay with my brother in Omaha when you get there tomorrow. And we're like, okay. So we showed up in Omaha the next day, and uh, this kid's brother welcomes us into his home, and one of his roommates is like, oh, I love what you guys are doing. You should talk to my friends Ty and Terry. And we're like, okay, give us their contact information. And we set up an appointment the next day to drop in at like 9 o'clock at their house and interview them for an hour. So we show up, and like we instantly hit it off. And 20 minutes, 30 minutes goes by, and we haven't even started recording yet. And we're like, oh, man, we got to get this going. We know you guys have to get to sleep. And we started recording, and um, we wanted to be respectful of the time. So about an hour went by. And everybody at that point was like crying <laughs> and like there was just this really strong feeling of just love and connection in the room. And we ended up recording for like two and a half hours and becoming the type of friends that have you ever, there's a, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, the Muppets. There's a song sung by, I think it's Gonzo. And he says, there's not a word yet for old friends who've just met. And when you get to sit down and talk to a couple about what, what makes about their most important relationship in their life, you get to experience what it's like to become somebody's friend, best friend, having just met them. Mm-hmm. So one of the, now I'm rambling. I feel like I need no, to tell no, a keep story. Going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> this is great. So Ty and Terry um, just have this amazing, amazing relationship, and they both make it their personal responsibility to make sure that the other person is just happy and fulfilled and feels amazing in life. Um, and I think the best way to kind of articulate the way that their marriage works is to read a, a quick quote um, that Terry said about Ty. And this is kind of how she approaches her relationship on a daily basis. <clears throat> she said, this is so powerful. It gives me goosebumps every time I read it. But she said, at the end of Ty's life, I want him to be able to say that Terry was the greatest earthly blessing in my life, the best thing that ever happened to me, and that I'm a better man because of how she loved me. And that's the goal that I live with every day. That's how I want to love this man. Hmm. So she wakes up every morning, and the first thing on her mind is, what can I do so that at the end of his life, he can say, I'm the best thing that ever happened to him? Wow. And and she does it, and he does it for her. and. You know, they make sacrifices for each other and they show up for each other every day. And they, it, it was just evident in the way that they looked at each other and the way that they touched each other and the way they spoke about each other. And I think that's something that they've cultivated over their 30 years of marriage, close to 30 years of marriage. But it's something that everybody can have. Mm-hmm. But it requires that, that sense of kind of, um, that it's a willingness to put yourself second. And trust that the other person is going to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I think some people may hear that and think, wow, that sounds amazing, but idealistic, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You said the, the willingness to put yourself second and the other person first, and it takes us back to that that sort of power dynamic that we, we were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, what about the people who don't do that, you know, and, and like, what about conflict? Because, you know, I can't imagine even when you're that in love, there's got to be conflict. Yeah. Every couple experiences conflict. Every couple does. There's, there's no couple on the planet that never experiences conflict of, of, of varying extremes, but there is going to be conflict regardless. Um, but the difference between the people, the, the people who experience conflict, who have amazing relationships and everybody else is that the people like Ty and Terry, 
when they have a conflict, they realize that they're playing on the same team. Mm -hmm. They're not competing against each other. They're not fighting to win. They're not disagreeing to prove a point. They're disagreeing. They, they look at conflict as an opportunity to grow closer. Mm. So, um, you know, they shared a lot of, of different experiences like, you know, just throughout, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, we had one couple who experienced, um, like a child making decisions that they don't necessarily agree with, leaving their religion. Mm -hmm. Or there's people who have experienced financial, incredible financial loss because of just bad decisions. Or um, people who've experienced infidelity or who've experienced just seasons of depression. The the couples who can look at those opportunities as a, a rally point, as a, as an opportunity to come together and overcome the challenge together, rather than blaming blaming each other and finding fault and making sure that the other person knows that they were the ones who screwed everything up. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the difference, you know. Even though they may not agree on something, they're still playing on the same team. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Uh, yeah, this, this is the part of the conversation I was really curious about, uh, because I, I think that, you know, it, it's, let me ask you this based yeah. on, on that, you know, I mean, obviously the conflict is always going to be there. There's, you know, sort of, you know, what you call the rallying points and the things that mold people into who they are for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. But, but some people are broken by those experiences, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, some people are totally destroyed by those experiences and, uh, I mean, if you, did you get a chance to talk to any people who were totally destroyed by those experiences, who, who were actually broken? Who had, who had been? Yes, absolutely. Um, and what, I mean, what did that reveal? Like what, what kinds of insights did that, you know, bring, give you guys? <laughs> I think the most interesting thing that I learned that, that I wish everybody in the world knew about love is that love starts with you. Mm -hmm. It, you cannot give something you do not have. And if you don't love yourself, if you don't love yourself first, if you don't take care of yourself first, if you, if you can't make yourself happy, there's no way on earth that somebody else can make you happy. Um, I think there's too many people who enter into a relationship and they, they say, Oh, I, I hate myself. I don't think I'm pretty enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. But if you will just love me, then everything will be okay. And it fixes everything. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that, that if you, if you can't love yourself first, first of all, you, you won't be able to give the love necessary to have a really healthy relationship. And second of all, you won't be able to receive the love necessary because think about being in a relationship with somebody and they just love you in, to the extent that it's almost unbelievable. It's almost too good to be true. And you start to doubt whether or not they're sincere Mm -hmm. You know, this, this white knight comes in and sweeps a girl off her feet. And she, if she doesn't love herself and she doesn't believe she's deserving of that love, she starts to doubt that worthiness. And then all of a sudden she starts to self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. It is too good to be true. And then she won't accept the love. And then it turns into this impossible situation where the, he's trying to give, he's trying to give. And obviously the roles can be reversed, but no matter how much he gives, it's, it's it's never it can be accepted because she doesn't feel like she deserves it and it can ruin a relationship. So all of the people that I talk to that have incredibly healthy, happy relationships have been through a period of um, darkness, if you will, where they had to learn to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And they had to go through that, that self-discovery phase of what, it, what, it, what is it that makes them happy? What is it that they can do for themselves to make sure that they don't need to rely on somebody else for validation for um, – 
to feel like they are worth something. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes they go through that when they're in the middle of their relationship. Sometimes it requires going through like a divorce or a really serious breakup that that's a wake up call. But the, the most fundamental thing about experiencing a truly healthy, loving relationship is that you have to be able to love yourself first. You have to, you have to be broken down. There's this guy named Jim in Boston that was single for over 50 years. Wow. And he was the, one of the most incredible guys we met. And, um, he, he was, I think he's single for 52 years and he had been friends with this girl in college, but at, and at the end of college, they were kind of interested in each other, but he wanted to go to Boston to work for Harvard and she wanted to go overseas. So she did, and she got married and she had a kid. And then, um, you know, several years later, her husband passed away and they had always kind of kept in touch. She and Jim and, um, she ended up coming back to the States. They reunited and instantly they kind of just decided they wanted to spend the rest of their lives together. And one of the things he told me was that marriage, he said, marriage will break you. A long-term relationship will break you down. It will completely destroy you. But the beautiful thing is, is that it builds you back up into a better version of yourself. And, um, that just blew my mind to hear somebody who had been in, you know, a lot of people aspire to be in relationships, but they, they aren't willing to wait 50 some odd years for the right one to come along. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he's like, you know, I had kind of given up on the idea of being married. I was going to be, I was happy being single. I had found a way to be happy with myself and I was happy with the life I had. And then when this woman came along, it changed everything. And, um, I don't know. It, it made me realize one that it's worth waiting for, but two, man, he he had himself figured out, you know. And then marriage helped him rediscover himself once again, and has made him into an even better man than he ever could have been by himself. So, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so let let me ask you this. You know, one of the the other things that is is always interesting to me is is sort of the you know, the end of the honeymoon phase of any relationship, right? Mm, I mean, yeah. You, you start out and it's like, you're just completely infatuated with each other. You can't get enough of each other. And then it becomes normal. Like, you know, it becomes, <laughs> it becomes part of your everyday life. And, and so you, I mean, is like, obviously that goes away, but I mean, do you, yeah. is there a way to keep it? Like, I mean, what did you learn about that? There absolutely is a way to keep it. And I will tell you about that right now. I actually just sat down and had, uh, a really long conversation with two sex therapists mm -hmm. and they talked to me about, um, there is that state of some people call it Twitter patient or limerence, but that honeymoon phase is where you, all the chemicals and hormones are going crazy in your body and you're just totally sexually attracted to each other. You feel this wild chemistry and you're right that the monotony of life sometimes hits us and we, we fall in, we let that, that, that die down mm -hmm. and the chemicals do wear off, you know? And, um, basically what they told me is that, that, that phase, the honeymoon phase, that state of limerence fades for everybody, but passion, having passion in a relationship is a choice. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh, a reaction. It's not something that happens to you. It's something that you choose. Um, and let me, I'll just give you some examples of this. Um, there's one couple, uh, that we, that we interviewed in San Francisco, Rahul and Sarah, and they said that every night before they go to bed, they look at each other in the eyes, regardless of whether or not they're fighting or on really good terms or exhausted or what, but they, they look at each other and they say, I love you and you're my best friend. And they said that has helped them keep 
their relationship in perspective for, you know, the decades that they've been together. Or there's a story of um, Josh and Jenny Solar who live in Kansas City. And this is one of my favorite stories that I've heard along, along my journey. And they were driving a couple of months ago. They're driving down the road. And it starts to rain, cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. And Josh pulls the car over. He and Jenny and their three kids are in the car. And he says, Jenny, get out of the car. And he's like, she looks at him and says, uh, what? <laughs> he's like, get out of the car. And she's like, it's raining. I'm not going to get out of the car. And he's like, come on, get out of the car. We're going to make out in the rain. And he turns around to the kids and he says, kids, do you want to get out of the car and play in the rain? And they say no. And he says, okay, that's fine. Then you can sit here and watch me and mommy kiss. And he chose in that moment to rather than keep driving or even complain about the rain to make a memory, to create an intimate moment, to create passion in his relationship. Um, these, this is the same couple that every night they wash their dishes together and send the kids off to do homework. And when they're done washing the dishes, they have a playlist of slow songs that they turn on and they dance like two or three slow songs together in the middle of their kitchen. Um, there's another couple I talked to a few weeks ago who they decided that in their marriage, every time that they part ways, they kiss each other for 10 seconds or longer. So rather than just giving each other a pe peck, they make out and they have chosen to keep the passion in their relationship through their actions and to like be, to invite that intimacy into their life rather than there, I think there's a lot of people who you know, they're tired or they're too busy or they're not in the mood and they reject the advances of their partner and they make an excuses as to why the chemistry is not there anymore. Um, but coming full circle back to these sex therapists, one of the things that they said was that, um, and this is interesting, I, I didn't know this before, but men experience desire before they experience arousal. Mm -hmm. And women, on the other hand, this is generally speaking, this is not a universal law. So I hope people don't get worked up about this. <laughs> but for women, oftentimes it's the opposite. They don't experience desire until they experience arousal. And so I think there's, I've seen a lot of complaints um, and heard a lot of complaints from men who get rejected mm -hmm. uh, when they try and make advances on their, on their partner. Um, and it's because like women don't realize, sometimes women don't realize that they want to be intimate until like they've leaned into it a little bit, you know, they get a kiss on the neck and they reject it and say, I'm too tired. Or do you get a kiss on the neck and you kind of go, Oh, okay. Like, let's see where this goes, you know? And so I think it, the, to keep that passion in your relationship, I know it's hundred percent possible because I've witnessed it. Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced it for myself, but I've witnessed it in, in, in these stories and in, in these couples. And what it requires is a level of, of awareness and a level of intentionality, you have to intentionally make it a priority to keep passion alive in your relationship. It doesn't just happen, mm -hmm. but it is a choice you can make and it's a powerful choice. And, but it's definitely something that you, you have to, to choose. Mm -hmm. It doesn't choose you. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, I love this because I mean, so many the things that you talked about it reminds me so much of, of, you know, a lot of what Sean Acor talks about, right? I mean, why I love Sean's work is that it is the most pragmatic happiness advice I've ever heard. <laughs> it so yeah. is, isn't it? There's no, there's no, you know, dropping acid in, in, you know, some foreign country or meditating at an ashram in India or, you know, right. selling everything you own. It's, it's in, you know, simple day-to-day -day things. And, you know, I mean, it sounds to me from what you've discovered, uh, a lot of that happens in relationships as well. Absolutely. It's simple daily choices. The choice to be grateful. Mm -hmm. um, 
you look at uh, John Gottman of the Gottman Institute. He wrote the the book, uh, The Seven Principles That Make Marriage Work. Mm-hmm. Incredible book. But one of the things he says in there is that gratitude is one of the most important principles in, that you can practice in a relationship. And people, I mean, people... People get used to being provided for. They get used to being taken care of. And um, we forget to thank the people who are most important to us in our life for the things that they do on a daily basis. You know, thanks for emptying the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Thanks for going to work so we have, you know, can put food on the table. Thanks for making the food that is on the table. And constantly expressing that gratitude is one of the easiest, simplest ways to keep passion alive in a relationship and to maintain a really strong friendship. Um, I don't know any person who doesn't like to feel appreciated, mm-hmm. but, but we, that's one really simple thing that goes a really long way that we just let fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's amazing how simple the principles are, but that, but it doesn't necessarily make them easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's funny because I think that, you know, it, some of these things just have to become habits. They, they yeah. have to, you know, and, and that's, that requires, you know, a commitment to, to change on uh, your, your part. Like when I'm, you know, when I, even when we talk to somebody about changing their behavior in any aspect of their life, it, it's kind of like, yes, it's not going to happen instantly. It's not like you hear something on the podcast and suddenly magic happens. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of these <laughs> things are things that get cultivated over time. You're planting seeds and as you, as you water those seeds, they grow. Absolutely. So if, so if you're a single person right now, like I, I'm single, I don't know how single you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that on the air. No. Okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but, but single people often think that, Oh, like when I get into a relationship, then I'm going to change my behavior or the, these things will just come naturally to me. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've really been focusing on personally, um, because I am no expert when it comes to love, you know, I'm just gleaning from these people who have it figured out is that I need to start cultivating those things. Now, mm-hmm. the, the happiest people who are in relationships, if you took them out of their relationships, they would still be incredibly happy because they have learned the simple practices that bring happiness into your life. They've learned to be grateful for the people that surround them. They've learned to serve other people because that service brings a sense of fulfillment and a, and a sense of connection. They've learned to, um, to trust other people and to be open to love and to open to new experiences and spontaneity. And those are the things that now, now that I've realized that's what's important as a single person, I'm trying to cultivate in my life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a more grateful person. I'm trying to like express gratitude to the people who are truly important to me. I'm trying to look for an opportunity to serve somebody every single day. And when you cultivate those habits in your life, not only are you a happier person, but you're so much more prepared for a relationship down the road. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a relationship now, like create a list of things that, that make you happy and things that you can do better and start ticking them off a list every single day, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's those little things when people start to really believe that that's what makes a difference and they start to invest in them on a daily basis, I think you'll see a lot of relationships uh, either turn around or get raised to a level that they didn't even think was possible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of, of your own personal experience, I mean, I think that's where we're going to turn this now uh, and really start wrapping things up from here. I mean, what, yeah, I mean, obviously you've gotten a lot of perspective and insights and I'm curious kind of how it's altered your own behavior and your own <laughs> dating experiences. I mean, come on, Nate, you didn't think I was, even though I won't talk about mine, I'm definitely going to ask you oh, about I yours. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> You're going to twist my arm. Yeah. Well, um, it's definitely changed. The, one of the most interesting things that, uh, that I heard along the way, I can't remember this guy's name, but 
super interesting guy. He was a pastor at a church in, in LA. And he said that, um, you play for the league you practice for. And there's a lot of people out there who are willing to play in the little leagues and because that's what they practice for. But there's only a small handful of people who are practicing for the world series. And I think for me, my dating behaviors have changed in that I've started practicing for the big leagues where in the past I was just kind of like satisfied with whatever came along. I was happy to, to bat in the, in the little leagues. Um, now I'm, I'm looking not only to create myself into an all-star who can play at the world series, I'm looking for somebody else who's got that mentality as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, it means that the pickings are a little bit slimmer. Uh, so, which is probably why I'm still single, (laughs) but I'm happy being single. And I think I'm more prepared and more able to recognize, uh, the right one when she comes along. Mm -hmm. So, well, I don't know if that gives you the detail you want, but that's no, that that's more than sufficient. We're not going to drill you too much on your personal life. uh, (laughs) No, I, I really, Nate, I mean, this has been really, really cool. Uh, it's been a really eye-opening look into a subject that, you know, I personally am incredibly curious about because I, you know, I, like I didn't, you know, go into this expecting to come out with the formula for love, um, (laughs) or, or, you know, a ton of answers. I mean, I think that what you have given us, um, are insights and questions to ask ourselves, which, you know, I think that that's, that's really, you know, one of the most important things you can do. I am realizing so much of this is, is a personal and internal journey as well. Right. You know, you mentioned early on in the podcast that one of your biggest fears is that you're worried about settling. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been thinking about that as we've, as we've talked a little bit. And I just wanted you, I wanted to kind of encourage you to think about uh, that really the only way you can settle mm-hmm. is by selling out on yourself and by letting yourself compromise. Um, I think settling in love is really when you put a cap on the amount of love you're willing to give. Uh, I think each one of us has an unlimited potential for love, like that we are the vessels of love and we can give so much love. We can give an infinite amount of love. And I think when we decide to settle, it's because we put a, we filter ourselves, we put a cap on the amount of love we're willing to express and give. Mm-hmm. And um, granted, you need to wait for the right one and find the right person. But once you do, don't be afraid to go big. Mm-hmm. And I don't, th- I don't think you'll regret it. Well, you know what, Nate? I'm not going to ask you any other questions because I think that that makes a uh, poetic way to sum up our conversation. Uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners here at Unmistakable Creative. Uh, I only wish we had been able to air this on Valentine's Day. The timing would have been so beautiful. (laughs) It would have been beautiful, wouldn't it have? Yeah. But uh, every day is a good day to love. So I'm sure whenever this airs, it'll be great. And thank you for doing what you're doing for the world, man. I, I love what you guys are doing, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, for those of you guys listening, uh, yeah, I know this has been a little different than what we normally put on the air. I hope you really enjoyed it. And we will wrap our conversation with that. You've been listening to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys.
and download your free copy.